It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So this is what it has all come down to. Never mind the Brexit, never mind the bluster and never mind the buffoonery going on at the heart of politics in this country. Everyone this morning seems obsessed with what Jeremy Corbyn did or didn't say to Theresa May at Prime Minister's questions yesterday. When it happened in the final hour of our show yesterday, I pointed out that Labour's record on sexism and misogyny isn't exactly great. But then the Houses of Parliament are not exactly brilliant at promoting women uh, or making sure that women are looked after better than men. But honestly, whether he said it or not, why on earth can't he just admit to it instead of squirming like a guilty teenager caught with his hand in the biscuit jar? It's pathetic, isn't it? We'll be talking about that a little bit later on. 0344 499 1000. Meanwhile, as people try and head off for a Christmas break abroad, our travel systems are once again in total chaos. Never mind what's going to happen after March the 29th of next year. Never mind planes not being able to fly in the sky because of something to do with the European Union. Gatwick Airport is currently closed thanks to an outbreak of drones flying over that has left the authorities clueless and seemingly helpless to do anything about it. We'll find out what's happening down there today. As far as we know at the moment, the airport is still shut. 0344 499 1000. And as if all that isn't enough, we'll be telling you why the rare whiskey you're drinking over Christmas might actually be fake and why Disney is the latest organisation to be hit with cultural misappropriation over the Lion King. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, it comes to mind that here we are towards Christmas time, just about five days away from Christmas Eve. The Prime Minister is talking about uh, how she values the contribution uh, which is being made by various communities to our uh, economy here in this country. She talks about how important it is that we get the deal that we want to get rather than the no deal that we don't want to get. Uh, We get told by Jeremy Corbyn uh, that, in fact, the government has created an entire shambles over Brexit, but then he has done exactly the same thing. Meanwhile, drones have closed down Gatwick Airport. Let's get to the real meat of the matter. Here. It's got nothing to do with Brexit. It's got nothing to do with lorry drivers. It's got nothing to do with customs officials. It has all to do with somebody who is stupid enough to think it's funny to fly a drone into an airport, into some airspace to shut down the actual planes from flying. It seems incredible. It seems ridiculous that nobody can seemingly stop it and nobody can seemingly find a way out of it. But let's talk to Lisa Francesca Nan now, travel journalist, host of the Big Travel podcast, to find out precisely what you can do if you're waiting to try and get a flight out of Gatwick Airport and how it's affecting all the other airports 
airports in and around London and around the rest of Western Europe as well. Lisa, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. It seems incredible, does it not, that something this small, something this insignificant can actually close down an entire international sort of airport. It's incredible to me. It, it, it is incredible, but it's, it might be small, but it's not insignificant because no. a drone can weigh up to three kilos. I've actually been on a flight that's been delayed due to suspected drone activity, but luckily it was only delayed for about an hour. Right. Um, but if something like that got in the way while you're taking off, um, you know, it, it would cause significant damage to the engine. So it's not, even though it's a small thing, it, it's not signif- insignificant at all. And now there are completely, you know, still now, I just checked with Gatwick two minutes ago, there are no flights arriving or departing from Gatwick Airport, which is a huge issue. 100,000 people um, will be affected by that today. Not only the people sitting at the airport now, some people have been sitting there overnight. Um, they can't get hotels. The hotels are all, all booked. And, um, and But also the people coming into the UK all over the world from Gatwick. It's a huge airport. So a massive issue. And, and right now there is no sort of end in sight. They've said possibly flights will take off at 11, but I think that that that's, um, that's probably not going to happen because drones have been seen. We've got multiple sightings of drones. It's not entirely sure how many drones there are out there or who's operating them because, of course, they're operated remotely. So we've got Sussex police searching for them and, and trying to find the perpetrators, but nothing has been found at the moment, so it's still completely closed. And you're right to say that it's not insignificant, but in the scheme of things, it is insignificant. What I mean by that is that surely to heavens, if we knew that this was possible, if we knew that a drone attack or a drone uh, presence could actually shut down an airport should we not have had better um, defenses if you like against them Yes, I mean, it's something that's just going to increase. You know, everyone has a, not everyone, but lots of people have a drone these days and you do need licences and there are um, restrictions you've got um, on the the airspace, particularly around um, big events as well, not just about airport, around big events, around prisons, that sort of thing. There's something called geofencing, but I think that's just offers a warning to the pilot of a drone where they, you know, when they're sort of straying into airspace. So if someone wants to break those laws, which is obviously someone, you know, with nefarious uh, intentions, then they they can actually do that. There is something that's been trialled on a a prison, I think, um, I forget which prison, but has uh, had a signal jamming sky fence, and that's been trialled and that's worked. So I know that they're probably furiously working on ways of uh, of combating this sort of problem, but um, it's obviously, it's not working yet, at least around Gatwick, as we know, and and causing major issues. No, exactly right. And I mean, as far as the way that this is being kind of characterised, if you like, they've said that it's a deliberate act i.e it would appear that somebody's doing it who knows precisely what they're doing they haven't said um that it is therefore a a sort of a malignant act if you like and somebody's doing it uh, out of uh, trying to trying to cause maximum disturbance it's not a terrorist act as far as we know but it could be and i mean that's the other problem i've got you know if if if, if somebody was was you know malignant you know malevolent enough i suppose would be the right word to 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 put something toxic on one of these drones or to uh, put an explosive on it of some kind you know we don't appear to have any defenses against that at all no and i think it's it's very very worrying let's not forget that these are drones are used in military action to you know sort of get rid of people in in various ways so yes i mean it is it is very very worrying and you know our our airports are vulnerable in fact we're, we're vulnerable to drones just walking down the street you know if people have the technology it's technology that our military use um to great effect and we are 
we are really vulnerable. And I don't know what the motivation. It'll be very, very interesting to see. Hopefully this person or these people are caught, and it'll be very, very interesting to see what their motivation. It could just be some, you know, idiot teenager or, or whatever. Um, but uh, or it could be something more organised. But it'd be hopefully they'll be caught, and it'll be very interesting to see what their motivation is. In the meantime, you know, Gatwick is closed. It's the busiest period of the year, and uh, since the the runways are closed at nine o'clock last night, they haven't reopened. You've got ten thousand people stranded, six thousand people diverted elsewhere. So six thousand people at the airports all across the southeast London, uh, southeast England. They're apparently there all all uh, all, all chock a block, mm. and people stranded in in Europe, and obviously missed hotels and car hire and meetings and Christmases going on elsewhere. So it's it's awful. At least everyone's safe. That is the main thing, and that's obviously the priority at the moment. But the, the disruption is, is terrible. And what we see in this situation quite often, Lisa, and you'll know this more from the travel point of view, is that when planes are in the wrong places, it takes an awfully long time for the catch-up sort of to happen, doesn't it? Because if your plane was supposed to fly you out of Gatwick this morning, um, but it hasn't been able to get in for the night before, then it's not here in order to take you out even if they reopen the runway oh absolutely this is say the say the one runway is open at 11 today which you know i'm very doubtful that they will be doing there's going to be planes hundreds and hundreds of planes all over the place in the wrong place and people queuing to get out so if your your flight was scheduled this morning and you think oh well i might leave this afternoon you'd be very very lucky um for that to happen because there's hundreds and hundreds of planes that have to be you know to queue up and and that, that's it's going to be very very busy when it gets uh, fixed or when mm. they you know know for certain that the people uh, have been caught or stopped or something has happened um so it's going to be who knows how long this is going to be ongoing for i think a lot of people's christmases are unfortunately very sadly going to be ruined now they will airlines do have the obligation legal obligation to get you on another flight so they could hopefully send you to another airport but you know, like you said, when is that flight going to be? There's going to be people already booked on that. There's going to be not many, you know, spare seats, particularly at this time of year. So it's going to take a long, long time. When it when this gets stopped, it's going to take a long, long time to sort of to catch up. So yeah. it's such a shame for everyone. Oh, it really is. And what's the best advice? I mean, if you are supposed to be flying out, I mean, obviously, if you're at Gatwick Airport already and listening to this radio show, you'll know more about it than we do. And in which case, please give us a call and tell us what you know on 0344 but Lisa, if you are kind of planning on going somewhere, say tomorrow or this afternoon, should you be trying to find another flight? Should you be uh, hoping that the airline's going to help you out or should you sort of take matters into your own hands, I guess? I think this depends what type of person you are. And I personally would be taking matters into my own hands because mm. I'd be looking for a solution yeah. to find a way out. Whether there was a solution or not, I don't know. But, however, if you the airlines are legally obliged to refund you or to find you another flight. However, if you start to then do take matters into your own hands, you've got to pay out yourself. You could probably reclaim that from your travel insurance, but you'll have to lay out in the first place. Right. It won't, you know, it, it won't. You won't get that financial uh, input from the uh, from the airlines. And hopefully, you have got travel insurance. This is why I always say never go anywhere yes. without travel insurance. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, that's that's a whole other deal. You've got to find another flight if another flight is available. It's very expensive at this time of year. People yeah. had ongoing flight connections, or were doing once in a lifetime things. I know I've heard from people at Gatwick that we're going to Lapland, for example, and that's not oh, just God. not going to happen. Yeah. Um, There's just not now, enough time, and, you know, is there? There's just not enough time. You know, people have obligations and flight connections and hotels and car hires and mm. 
you know, hotels booked and all sorts of things that's going to make it very complicated. But, yeah, I personally would be looking for another flight as soon as possible. Sure. That obviously has to be from another another airport, and you've got to get the train there. Uh, people are stepping up. Apparently, one of the train operators, and this will probably more will follow the LNER of offering um, people who've had flights cancelled, they're offering them free uh, train fare between Edinburgh and Gatwick, from presumably from Gatwick to Edinburgh, if yeah. they need to go up there and use the airport. So people are sort of stepping up and okay. sort of helping out, um, and hopefully some more other train operators. Well, will I'm sure that will really too. please the people that have paid for a ticket to go up to Edinburgh and find themselves <laughs> overcrowded by people getting a freebie. But that's another story altogether. How but much? Yeah. Of a, how much of a knock-on effect is is it all having on other airports like Heathrow, Stansted, Luton, uh, a city? Well, I imagine it's going to have a, a quite a big knock-on effect. Apparently, they have no more capacity to accept aeroplanes because they have uh, acceptive aeroplanes. So all the airports in the uh, in the southeast have got all their spare space, wherever that might be, mm. um, you know, booked up with people landing there who can't land at Gatwick. Yeah. You know, not, let's not forget people are, are coming into Gatwick as well. It's not just about us trying to get no, of out. Course. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's going to cause further disruption at other airports. I haven't heard about delays or cancellations at those already. Hopefully they're sort of all, all flowing well. No. It's a shocking state of affairs, though, when something this straightforward and simple, which you would have thought they could go... I mean, for example, when there's been people ringing up Julie Hartley Brewer's show and she's been saying, couldn't we just shoot these things out of the sky? And apparently that's not that easy because there might be stray bullets and, you know, people might get injured in the process. But you'd think there would be some electronic way of neutralising them, wouldn't you? I know, I, you, you would, but I think that the technology is going so quickly and this is happening in so many areas of life at the moment, not just, you know, aviation and drones. The technology is moving so quickly that people have to move, you know, even quicker to try and, and combat these things and it, it's not always possible. And, and like I said, there are sort of trials being done of this geofencing, but that just warns the party, that assumes that you are a responsible person using a drone and, you know, you will get, I don't know how it works, I've never used a drone, but you get a beep or some sort of alert when you're flying into the into the uh, somewhere that you're not meant to fly yeah. over, and that can also be temporary as well for events and things. It's mm. not just around the airports, but yeah, the technology is just going so fast. I hope I just hope that they can they can sort it out because this is something that is going to increase. You know, I personally know more people that are buying drones. People like really? travel. Uh, yeah. People, yeah, I know loads of people that are travelling with drones, and um, in other countries, it, it's they don't have as many rules as we have, so right. we have to, you know. And so, are you the people that are the people that you know using them for sort of taking aerial pictures and stuff like that, or what? Oh yeah, they use them for amazing. In fact, I quite like to get one myself actually because they have these beautiful travel, uh, you know, videos mm. on Instagram and, and other sort of uh, social media, yeah. and they have these incredible where you just get. You know, you're someone standing on a beach and they throw their drone up in the air and they don't throw it, they sort of yeah, operate yeah. it up into the air and it looks it looks amazing, you know, mm. it's it's beautiful. And they've been used for very practical things as well, even like estate agents, you know, are using it to sort of sell property and, uh, you know... Well, also, we keep learning and we keep being told that they're going to be used more and more to deliver stuff to our homes. There's, I think there's one in operation over in Santa Monica on the beach there where you can have a burger delivered to you by drone um, on the beach. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So there's going to be more of them. So we just need to get better at policing it all, don't we? 
Yeah, and this is, I think this is a big shock to everyone's system. You know, I'm sure behind the scenes they're working furiously on it, and this is probably something that they predicted at some point, but they obviously didn't predict it enough to sort of to have something that would, that would, uh, would stop it. And, you know, people are offering, operating these remotely. They could be anywhere in the Sussex countryside. I don't know what the, um, what the uh, you know, the distance is mm. that you have to be from a drone, but I think it's, it's quite, you know, several hundred metres. Yeah. So they could be absolutely anywhere. Sure. Um, so but I just, I would hope, and I'm sure them. there'll be people out there who will have expert knowledge, and they'll be ringing me to tell me very shortly. The number is, of course, 03444991000. But can there not be some kind of jamming uh, that you could do around an airport where you can't actually where you can make sure that nobody who if they're flying a drone can actually control the drone and it just drops onto the ground i mean that would make perfect sense to me lisa but the trouble is i talk a lot of sense on this show uh, but very few people actually pick up on it you should you should be out there developing something <laughs> do you not have the technology yeah well, there's, there's this thing called the sky fence so that was it it was guernsey prison guernsey oh yeah. prison apparently had this thing called the sky fence which right. is a signal jamming right. device and they have signal jamming with things like mobile phones so yeah. you know hopefully this is something that can be rolled out but it's too late for everyone at Gatwick and trying to travel yeah. today and absolutely even maybe horrendous Christmas. absolutely horrendous well listen Lisa thanks very much indeed we we'll may come back to you once we get updates uh, from all sorts of different parts uh, of the country today Lisa Francesca Nand there travel journalist hosted the big travel podcast you got a smiling face you took the one I love so far away You're sitting down at Gatwick Airport and you hear that song, you might likely go completely and utterly start staring bonkers mad. I mean, it's bad enough at Gatwick Airport before the delays happen, uh, but there's now thousands of people, possibly as many as 110,000 people trying to fly out of Gatwick today, 760 different flights. So far, not one flight has actually left the building. Not one flight has taken off uh, because apparently there is one drone flying around that we know of, uh, which is being run by somebody deliberately uh, to cause a problem at Gatwick Airport. And as yet, uh, the latest we've heard from Toby Gillies is that nothing will go out of the place until at least four o'clock. Maybe not even then. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. I'm going to come to your calls in a moment, but let me just explain a little bit more about this fire control and rescue centre, which was put together down in Taunton in the West Country. The Southwest Fire Control and Rescue Centre was supposed to be a highly sophisticated and bespoke property for part of the National Critical Infrastructure Programme, right? Guess what? It was put in place uh, by the previous Labour government uh, way back in uh, sort of 2008, 2009. 46 control rooms in England uh, were basically taken out of, of service and scrapped. And so what they were supposed to do instead was to have this centre built, which they did build at a cost of several million pounds. However, it has never been occupied. It has never fielded a single 999 call and is estimated to cost 1.9 million to the taxpayer each and every year. That's extraordinary, isn't it? What an absolute and utter shambles. No wonder people in the fire service and in the police service uh, and in the ambulance service complain and moan about the way the government runs these infrastructure programmes. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's off the M5 somewhere. Nobody's in it. Let's talk to Mike, who's in York. Hello, Mike. Afternoon, Mike. Afternoon. Now, um, I'm, I'm absolutely staggered by this latest information on the Taunton Fire and Rescue Service that doesn't uh, rescue anybody and doesn't apparently have the fire service in it. It's pathetic, isn't it? It really is when, awful. When are, when are they going to do a degree in common sense? Well, I mean, certainly they could do with sending somebody with some common sense down at Gatwick Airport, couldn't they? Well, they could. I mean, I'm into drones. And are the you? one I've seen, I think it's a, a DJI Inspire. What, you mean the one you've seen at Gatwick? Yeah. I see, I've not seen um, it. I've not seen any any uh, sort of images of that. It were only at a, I mean, 
I'm in Yorkshire, so you know I'm only going off what I can see on on the uh, the TV. Okay. But it looks like an Inspire. Now they're not cheap, and if it's got a good gimbal, which is the camera underneath. Okay. You're talking five to seven thousand quid. Really. Now, so these, it's so these, it's so it's not likely to be a teenage boy in his bedroom then. Well, I wouldn't have thought so. The, the main thing is, is there's no common sense being applied whatsoever here. Uh, mm. The first thing is, is all drones, they only fly for about half an hour. Right. So now DJI, like even the GoPro 4, they have an um, automatic return to base uh, system. Oh, what? So, so, if it's running out, so if it's running out of battery, it comes back? Automatically. Mm. If it comes up across against a tree... It goes round the tree right. and then carries on. The, the technology is awesome. Has it got some kind of radar then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, OK. And what do you use your drones for, Mike? Well, this is the problem I've got. is Before I can do use my drones for what I want to use it for, mm. because I want to do it for iron reward, right? right. That's, the, that's the main one. Right. Is I've got to have a CAA licence. Right. Can you believe that? Oh, that is ridiculous. So, <laughs> yeah. Now, what you use them for in in my trade is instead of getting up some expensive scaffolding to look at a roof, yes, you use a drone. Okay, but you do need a license because a lot of buildings that you inspect, and this is new technology, mm. but a lot of buildings you inspect are in city centres where people are walking around. So you do need to know have a lot of of knowledge and, you know, kind of competence. Sure. And is there also some kind of a restriction on what you're allowed to film? Because presumably if you're putting a drone up in a city, uh, in a street, there might be residential windows that your drone could look through that you wouldn't be allowed to look through. Nat- naturally. But, I mean, going going back to we're all adults, I mean, you know, kind of... The, the person who said, oh, it's too expensive. Well, what? hang on a minute. How, how much stuff have they got laid up waiting for snow? I bet yeah. that's pretty expensive. Yeah, well, they, um, well, of course, they say they haven't got anything laid up waiting for snow because uh, it never snows here, so they never buy anything. So when it does snow, uh, the whole place grinds to a halt as well. But can I also say, there's, there's three things they can do. Yeah. They can get a, a, a similar drone and then it follows it yeah. and they find out who's doing it. Right. Second thing is you can get a, a drone and, you know, you can drop on top of it yeah. and take it to the ground. Right. And the weight of your drone keeps it down. Right. Or the third thing, which you'd probably uh, be impressed with, is the Clay Pigeon show, uh, Club. Yes. Well, I mean, I've never fired a gun from a clay, at a clay pigeon, um, but I'm sure that people who do would be able to pick out a drone, which is a lot bigger than a clay pigeon. Well, not only that, but I've I've done clay pigeon shooting, Mike, and I can tell you yeah. it'd be no problem. Yeah, okay. The, the only other thing is really what I rang up this morning for is to talk about uh, politics. May I? Okay, go on, hurry up. Sorry to okay. be sorry to be brief, but I've got somebody else to talk to. Yeah, sorry, uh, Anna Subri, stop threatening. If you want to resign the writ, the whip, do it. Right. Well, and and same with Dominic Grieve. Yeah. Because this is a Christmas, and not only has somebody with a drone upset everybody. This is somebody, uh, these politicians, and I think uh, Jeremy Corbyn was right, uh, but he, I think he said stupid politicians. No, he didn't. He said stupid woman. <laughs> now, don't be <laughs> ridiculous. Honestly, honestly, Listen, there's, there's, there's no... There's... actually ruined everybody's Christmas. <laughs> they want to get on with it. Quite right, Mike. Thanks very much indeed. Let's go to Mark, who's in Bristol. Hello, Mark. Hello there. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. What do you want to say? 
Well, it was basically, I've just listened to that other chat. What, what, what I think you could do in the short term, basically, is uh, like, you know, they used to have peregrine falcons to keep the uh, birds yes. off of the airports. Yes. Why don't they just have some, uh, I mean, immediately they could get a uh, another drone to go up and take that second drone out by colliding with it. Yes. And that would that would get rid of the problem really quick. But if this becomes an inherent, you know, prank or problem, yeah. then they could actually very easily uh, get something which is a lot more robust to be able to uh, to be let loose to mm. go out and sort these things out as in when it happens. Do you see what I mean? No, I absolutely agree because one at the very least, what we should have is, is a very good idea of yours there to have a spare drone knocking around to basically patrol yeah. to patrol the perimeter of the airport. It makes absolute sense to me. Yeah. Why they don't do that, I don't know. But tell me this, Mark. I don't know how much you know about drones. Would it not be possible for right. them? Would it not be possible for them to track who is controlling it by some electronic uh, sort of snooping device? Yeah, there's just technology for everything. It's just getting a, the. Um, it's just being able to get two or three points, and then you can actually configure who's doing yeah. it. But at an airport, it, it's. I, I just think these people need to. Um, there need to be significant consequences for doing these things, yes. not just a slap on the wrist. Right. Because the, this guy or this girl or whoever's doing it is causing immense problem and, and, and ruining Christmases and ruining uh, you know people's lives. And I don't think they should be allowed to get no. away with it. If there's a suitable amount of uh, you know um, punishment on on the back of you know being caught. Because they can't be, they got to have a visual sight of this thing, mm. haven't they? I mean, well, they they got the actual camera on the unit, but they they got to be within, I don't know, a mile of it or something like that. They can't be any further than that. Mm. But um, yeah, I just think if they got a drone which uh, could go up and basically knock it out, yeah, uh, a little bit expensive, but um, you know, I mean, the amount of money that Gatwick's losing at the moment, that's 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 no really? money at all compared to what they're losing. Oh, I didn't know they were losing that's money. All I, I really had to. I assume that having yeah. a, running an airport is a license to print money, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is really. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what the economy's run on, and uh, that, that you know, to have it down this long and. Well, to be fairly honest, they could have the same problem tomorrow, couldn't they? Well, you exactly. Know, it could be, um, well, I mean, you never know. Yeah, you might get some, some copycat idiot deciding to do the same thing in Glasgow or Birmingham or Belfast or Liverpool or anywhere there's an airport, you know? Well, there's always people who think, I'll oh, copy that just for a, a laugh or whatever. But, I mean, it's like over in, um, you know, whenever uh, the French get a problem, they always block the ports. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. You know, let's go and block the ports, yeah. you know? There's always somebody yeah. protesting about something. Mm. And uh, I just, as I say, I, I've always said that consequences keep make people behave. And if there's no consequences, then people don't behave, pr you know, properly. And yeah. uh, they just think it's a bit of a joke. Do you no, know what I mean? No, but, you're absolutely right, Mark. Thanks but, very much indeed. Mark in Bristol there telling us, why can't they just have another drone which sits patrolling the airport and the perimeter of the airport, or maybe several drones patrolling the perimeter of the airport, uh, basically so that effectively um, the other drone can be taken down if it kind of creeps into the wrong airspace. It makes perfect sense. You're no doubt going to be told as, as the investigation into this fiasco goes on that they've run out of money or that they can't afford to get themselves a drone. We were hearing from Mike in York there that he thinks the drone in question here is worth maybe five to seven thousand pounds which tells you that it's not somebody who's a bit of an amateur sort of drone freak it sounds like somebody who's doing something quite deliberately uh with quite an expensive piece of kit 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We're going to take another little detour now, though, because we're going to talk to uh, the head teacher of Flake Fleet Primary School, Dave McPartland, uh, because Flake Fleet Primary School has found its way into an awful lot of people's hearts this uh, time of the year because there's a song uh, which they are singing and they're trying to get it to Christmas number one, going up against all sorts of people, um, including, of course, um, uh, the X Factor people and Ariana Grande and all the rest of it. Uh, let's have a listen, first of all, uh, to a bit of their music now and see uh, what it sounds like. Can we have a listen to the song? Great Fleet Primary School there with their song. Uh, they've already been named happiest school in the UK. So Dave McPartland, head teacher, uh, you must be a pretty happy guy yourself, Dave. A very good morning oh, to you. I am pinching myself. <laughs> this is the most surreal couple of weeks of my entire life. I'm now talking live on talk radio. I was on the one show yesterday. Right. This isn't meant to happen in a primary school, is it? Well, I mean, it's all good publicity because, as they say, all publicity is good publicity and yours is all good anyway. I mean, you were named the happiest school in the UK uh, earlier on this year. What, got, what gave you the idea to do... To, to try and do a Christmas number one? Well, one our, our school motto is uh, Dare to Dream. Right. And we, we'd had a royal wedding a couple of months back um, where we had horse-drawn carriages, we had a helicopter up in the air, the national press came along, and we did it pretty much for free. Mm. You know, the community came out and donated stuff, and we had this amazing time. And we, we, we thought, right, what, what next? And the reality was we didn't know. So I did an assembly, and one of the kids said one of their dreams would be to be a pop star with the number one record. Right. And we went back to the staff room and we thought, you know what, why not? Let, let's give it a go and show the kids that, you know, it's great to have these dreams. Let's give it a go. We might not get anywhere, but we might have great fun doing it. Okay. And he, here we are all of a sudden, you know, the last couple of weeks, at one point we were third favourite of four to one. Um, you know, <laughs> we, we went to the number 15 in the midweek chart. Yes. And, we, you know, we, we've done all the PR, all the press ourselves. We've barely spent a penny. You know, I think everyone thinks that we've spent an absolute fortune of public money, where the reality is, you know, I've had coach companies transporting our battle bus around the country for free. I've got an airplane going up in the sky later on for a last push before midnight tonight. Honestly, it's the most amazing journey. We had memories that we'll never, ever forget. Oh, and it really is. But also, it, it kind of tells you, Dave, as well, about the strength of social media, doesn't it? Because, I mean, I saw your story on Twitter a few days oh, wow. back, uh, and and I saw that you were on a coach, you were talking to the camera, saying, everybody, please retweet this, which I then did. And I said to the guys here, I said, why don't we get these guys on? And oh. so that's how it builds. And, and quite frankly, what's great about the way that the modern sort of world works is that you can change things relatively quickly without having to go through all the normal channels. You know, you're absolutely right, and I think that's that, that's what's kind of this is this is very much felt like a grassroots, yeah. you know, a real like community thing that's mm. just grown and grown. You know, our little sorry, Flake Fleet Prime with our little track light up that all of a sudden 
without any celebs back in, without anybody pulling strings or anything. You know, we literally, you know, midweek we went into 15. You know, we may have slipped a little bit. We really need people to go out and download it. But okay. what, a, what, a, what a message for our kids. Of course. That they're coming into school today talking about being number one at Christmas. And our whole logic is that, you know, if, if they can have that attitude and those kind of aspirations, then anything else is possible. You know, the, the confidence that we're seeing from the kids, their the resilience. Yeah. You know, because there's things that we thought might come off, like ITM, we were meant to be headline news three times, then Sonny Theresa May gets involved, and, you know, we, we can <laughs> cancel twice. it, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and we've learned so many things. Well, they're now, gonna the be, they're now veterans of the media, right, because of that, which is brilliant. Because one of the things, I mean, funnily enough, on this show yesterday, Dave, we were talking about a report that came out from the Prince's Trust, which said that an awful lot of kids, older slightly than, than, than yours, from 15 to sort of 18, yeah. are feeling very disenfranchised. They don't really know what they want to do. They don't feel as if they have any proper rights. Role models. I mean, to have your guys looking at becoming pop stars, it, albeit you know just for a, for a one-hit wonder almost. I mean, it's fantastic, isn't it? Do you know? I mean, yesterday when we went down to the one show, you know, that in itself was brilliant. But the best thing about it was we managed to get into the central lobby of the Houses of Parliament, yeah, um, and we had a wander around as you do, and then we went to the five-star Langham Hotel. Very nice. And you know, our kids from from this you know this wonderful place, Fleetwood, mm. were wandering around, and we, you know, it was just brilliant to give our kids those kind of experiences. Sure. You know, we've taken the kids off to Liverpool off to Manchester, we've been in Sanctum of Grandma in a care home, you know, the local residents of Fleetwood Hall Care Home around the corner, you know, they've been involved in it. There's so many special things yeah. that have happened. It's not really, you know, the, the, the things that people would think, like the one show, it's the other things, it's the, it's the performing on the stage at the Winter Gardens in Blackpool, it's the parents getting involved, you know, yeah. it's driving down the street and the balloons and the banners, it's got it's such, it's like we're on an FA Cup run. Yes. And, you know, and we find out tomorrow whether we've cracked that top four. Yeah, but you know what? Even if you haven't, Dave, you'll have had one, one of the most fantastic experiences. So will the kids. And the amount of kind of eye-opening for them that's been going on, it will, I mean, who knows where any of them will now end up because they've seen things that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise seen. Yeah, you know, and that, you know, I'm talking to you now. You know, you've obviously had to. You know, I've got a bit of a flavour this last couple of weeks of what the media, you know, media can be like. Yeah. You know, you've obviously, I'm thinking, probably along the way, I had people who've not returned your phone call, sure. not not replied to your emails. And, you know, some people even put the phone down on me while I'm in yeah. the middle of talking to them, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> but it's the, it's, the, it's the resilience that you've developed through that and that perseverance. And that, that's what we want our kids to go through life, thinking that, you know what, if, if I knock on a thousand doors, if I'm willing to fail yeah. a thousand times, if I get back up a thousand times, that thousand and one might just be the one that makes all the difference. Sure. And, and, and you know, we, honestly, it's been the most amazingly magical, and I'm not over-egging it, it's just been amazing. We've got a party tomorrow for 800 people. The local Marine Hall have donated it for free. And you know what, even if we don't get a child yeah. place, we're going to celebrate the fact that the community's come together. Fleetwood's an amazing place. Mm real sense of community and it's just it's something that can never be taken away from us right it's, it's truly special and i'm really not over it no you're listening you're not i'm very proud of, of you it's the sort of thing that makes oh, us all you. feel very good about ourselves and about our nation at a time when yeah, you know absolutely. not everything is is very good news but it proves that there are still some great people out there because the kids wrote this song themselves right yeah yeah the, the kids you know what we want to involve the kids as much as we could and they you know we talk to them you know what do you want the message to be in our christmas song and do you know what? Truthfully, what they came up with was they want, they want people to go out and make memories. They want to give the gift of time this Christmas. The reality is they don't want that. Ex I mean, they do want an Xbox. Don't get me wrong. I'd like an Xbox. But actually, they'd like to go and do stuff. Yeah. You know, like when we were kids. Sure. And go down the beach and, and go, you know, and go and do nice things. Have mm. a picnic. Climb, you know, climb that hill, that mountain or whatever. 
Um, and, and that was the whole idea. And we got such great links with Fleetwood Hall Care Home around the corner. We took them out for a couple of days. We took people who'd not been to, you know, the ballroom, the, you know, the same one, Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, yeah. They'd, not, they'd not danced on it for decades. Mm. And they danced on that, on that dance wow. floor. We took them to the top of the tower. And Dorothy Billington, one of the most amazing ladies in the 90s with dementia, said, you know what? It's the best day that I've ever had. Wow. And then she said to us, have you taken any pictures? because I'll probably forget. Mm. And, you know, it, it, and that's what it's all about. You know, we, we're, we're trying to raise money for Alzheimer's. My grandma's got it. It's a yeah. devastating illness. Not many, you know, unless you've been affected by it, I don't think you know anything about it. Mm. You know, so we're just trying to do something really positive this Christmas. But we just, you know, now we're, we've got till midnight. We just need as many people out there to, you know, to, to go and buy, you know, download yeah. our little flick. And is it in all, it's in all the usual places, Dave, like Spotify and iTunes yeah, and all that? Yeah, it's, um, the biggies, I mean, the downloads are the ones that count yeah. so much. But, it's you know, it's iTunes, Google Play and Amazon. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, I can see that we're picking up in the charts again today. Mm. We were 37 yesterday, totally honestly. Um and we just, I just wanted to, you know, to get that chart placed, to, you know, to give the people of Fleetwood, you know, this, this amazing little thing that we can, you know, you know, we'll always be in the record books. We'll, we'll get that record on, on the air. Um, we just need people now that to go out and, you know, to, to download it. But if, even if we don't, like I said, so proud of what we achieved. You know, yeah, talking to you, right. you get it. I can hear you down the phone. You get it. You're one of those believers and dreamers. That you know, I bet you got a real kick out of when Leicester City won. <laughs> I know. did. You're absolutely right. I, I actually did. predicted they would because a lot of people who work with me here at Talk Sport and the sister station said that's oh, never going to last. They're never going to get all the way to the end of the season. I was one of the few people that said, "No, they are. They're absolutely yeah. going to do it." And, you know. And do you know what? Do you know what, Mike? People like you is if, if what's kind of driven this all along. That you know, I've come across people who you know I've had such huge donations. Literally, a coach company transporting us anywhere in the UK for two weeks. Uh-huh. You know, it, two companies. You know, there's people like you that, you know, this Christmas is saying, you know what, I want to make something special happen. And, you know, you're just a nice, decent person that, you know, believes in, you know, special things happening if you're willing to commit to it. Um, I'm feeling a bit, I'm feeling overwhelmed today. To Listen, it's great. It's emotional. fantastic. <laughs> Listen, Dave, I don't blame you. It's wonderful stuff. We're going to hear some more of the song. Please, everybody, go out there and download it because it would be fantastic uh, to make it number one. Dave McParlin, head teacher at Fleet, Flake Fleet Primary School. What a brilliant idea this is. Republican Mike Graham, Silver Q, says the thing that is not well organised is our response. Well, that's absolutely true. I mean, the idea that Gatwick Airport is shut for the foreseeable future and people are trying to fly out of it, but nobody seems to know when they're going to reopen it, is madness, isn't it? Patrick says, I never thought I'd hear Stinger System under your trench coat, MG. Old Paddy seems to know an awful lot of high-profile, nameless people. Hashtag silent service. Well, I mean, I was wondering if he was referring to the Matrix when he was talking there about uh, uh, the drone scenario, but uh, if you're an expert in drones out there, please tell me that there is a system by which you can somehow neutralise the drone itself where it cannot fly into airspace that is likely to be a problem for aeroplanes taking off and landing at airports. Surely there must be something like that that we could get 
installed. Otherwise, what's the point? 0344 499 1000. Now, we're going to take a slight detour here because we're going up to Scotland to talk to Ian McLoon, uh, who is an expert uh, in whiskey. He's managing director of the Whiskey Auctioneer, one of the largest online whiskey auctioneers. Because a very disturbing story for those of you that like to drink a bit of whiskey over the Christmas holiday period, and particularly over New Year. It turns out that a study has been found to have discovered that basically an awful lot of what is purported to be very rare Scotch whiskey, malt whiskey, is in fact fake. So let's find out from Ian what this is all about. Ian, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Very well indeed. Thanks for joining us. Now, I suppose for most people, and I know being in, I used to live in Scotland, and so I'm, 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 I'm fairly expert, I'd like to think, in this. In Scotland, lots of people <laughs> drink lots of whiskey all the time. In England, many, many people only drink whiskey kind of at Christmas and New Year. And they try and buy, you know, something unusual, something a bit rarer, maybe for a special yeah. occasion. It turns out that some of this whiskey, uh, which is being purported as uh, and sold as very, very rare and very expensive, uh, is in fact not even whiskey. It does, yeah. It, well, I think the the main thing to to look at with this article is that these um, these these bottles that have been tested and uh, researched upon is mm. uh, are very rare bottles. Yes. Um, and you know, I, I think it's important to note that uh, from the word go, that the, the the bottles that you guys will will drink over Christmas and New Year, I don't think you've got much to worry about with those ones. No. But, so uh, the stuff you buy from your local supermarket, which is your kind of Glenfiddichs and your Glenmorangies and all that, they're yeah. all going to be fine. Yeah. You're you're fine there, yeah. So it, it, the, this article very much focuses on vintage, even early 1900s bottling. Okay. Um, and is that and is that a sort of special collector's sort of area, as as far as you're aware? It, it's it's a very niche area, one mm. that doesn't really turn up very often, right. and uh, and that, that makes it quite interesting to discuss. Really, um, we. Uh, we as an auctioneer are really at the forefront of of what we do when we combat and whis- whiskies like the ones that have been raised in this article. Okay, and uh, uh, so we, we we try to identify anything that, that's arguably counterfeit mm. um, before it even reaches the secondary market, before it even reaches anybody wanting to drink, collect, or invest in these whiskies. Okay, and is and is the the fakery coming from a particular place, a particular country, or a particular group? Not not really. Well, and it, it goes to say that. These whiskies have been talked about for quite some time. Mm. It's quite quite established to sort of counterfeit whiskies, and, and there tends to be two issues regarding fake whisky. Um, there, there's whiskies like what I would refer to as some of the ones in the article released today that, that it can be described as known fake whiskies. And then there's uh, fake whiskies that we, we don't know about, newer ones that, right. that, um, that we, we work to identify before they, they could be sold. But I think it's important to note that, that there tends to be a cross between the two, the ones that we know about and the ones we don't know about. Right, okay. And, and 1900 single malt scotch, you know, that, that tends to fall into the, the first category of, of um, and, and the, the research that, that this article identifies. Right. And how much think, money are we talking about for, say, a bottle of something like that, if oof. it was genuine? If it was genuine? Yeah. Unknown at the moment, really, and and that that could lead into um, that. There's very very few of these have have been auctioned in recent times. Right. We're at, we're actually about to auction a bottle. It's um, uh, an 1880s Glenlivet. So it's a, a Scotch whisky from prior to 1900, which uh-huh. if you if you read the article would be considered to be um, one that would have to go through quite substantial authenticity yes. to do so. And, uh, and we've actually gone through that process. Um, so you have to presumably to you have to open it to test it, do you? It, well, you have to you have to get a very small sample, so it's a, a very fine needle is entered to okay. get a sample of the liquid out, right. and that that liquid is then tested to um, to confirm the the authenticity of it. So, so we're quite excited about okay. about auctioning this bottle, particularly with the um, the story that was released sure. today.
And and without actually having um, the ability to predict what it will sell for, presumably yeah. it has a. Is there a reserve price which will impress me? Like, is it pretty high? Um, there, there is a reserve price. Um, we tend not to release them because we want the market to sort of determine okay. the value of, of items. So we don't, we don't really release them uh, per se. But like, we're like talking say, thousands, we're talking though, presumably. Thousands of pounds. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For, for an item that's gone through authenticity mm. like this, I, I, I would imagine it will be thousands. Of okay. Pounds, yeah. And how much of this old whiskey is there around? I mean, do you keep discovering it? Is it found in kind of you know the basements or the wine vaults of of castles? I mean, where do you get it from? <laughs> So whiskies like the ones that are in this article in this Glenlivet that we're, we're talking about, it's, um, they're very, very rare. Mm. Um, we we haven't auctioned uh, a Scotch whisky from ni- prior to 1900 before. Uh, and I think the last one that was auctioned, you know, might need to confirm this would be over 10 years ago. Oh, really? Okay. Right. Um, so, so they don't turn up at auction very, very frequently. And, and that's because auctions have to, you know, the provenance required to, to offer bottles at auction, um, the sort of checks that are in place sure. to make sure that they are genuine um, uh, is, is very thorough. So so forgive me for being impertinent here, but, but in terms of your auctioneering, generally speaking, about whiskey, is it is it sort of somewhere in between? So you're not always auctioning off very, very rare bottles, which are incredibly expensive. Yep. So what's the sort of middle ground? Because presumably you're not, you're obviously not auctioning off the 12-year-old malt that I can buy yeah. uh, in the well, off-license. It's absolutely, yeah. It's anything from your bog-standard releases for current releases to um, whiskies that are tens of thousands of pounds. Mm. Um, with, yeah, tens of thousands of pounds, really. Um, and so it's very much a, a range of it. So we, we offer thousands of bottles each month okay. um, doing this. And uh, the average bottle price is probably somewhere around 350 okay. and 400 pounds. Right. So it, it Cause I'm, cause I, I'm pretty sure I read not that long ago a piece written by somebody who said that anything more than about 12-year-old scotch isn't much better than 12-year-old scotch, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> is that true? or is, is, is I mean, does it get better with age? Absolutely. I think uh, it's all personal opinion, of course. Um, but it, I, I wouldn't ever say that there's uh, not older whiskey than 12 years old that's better than uh, whiskeys at that age. And there's younger whiskey under 12 year old that right. would be better than the 12 year old whiskey. So it's, it's completely personal taste. Okay. Um, absolutely. And what's your preferred method of drinking it? Because my father, who was uh, Scottish, always said the best thing to do is to drop a pipette of water, just almost a little bubble of water into it. It's always a good idea if you're approaching a whiskey for the first time to experience it with them without water. But I, I like to enjoy most of my neat, but I will approach it with water. Okay. If Where are you on the ice question? Um, I, personally, you can enjoy your whiskey as much as you like. <laughs> Whatever way that is, you can enjoy okay. your whiskey with ice. All right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Interesting. If somebody wants to check out what you do, uh, Ian, is, yep. have you got a website you can direct us to? Yeah, it's um, whiskeyauctioneer.com. Okay. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see this 1880s bottle in this auction to see how it does perform following this news article. Yes, indeed. Well, we'll perhaps we'll, uh, we'll come back to you when it's happened and see how it all, yeah, how it all went. <laughs> Ian, thanks very much indeed. Ian McLoon, their Managing Director of Whiskey Auctioneers. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.